Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Monday, October 9th. Our top story today, a luxury estate in St Mary's Bay that was supposed to deliver 85 new homes has been abandoned and targeted by vandals. The Sands was approved in 2016, but 18 months ago, all progress stopped and the seafront development became a haven for wildlife and antisocial behaviour. Neighbour Mark Jones says part of the problem is that teenagers have nowhere else to go. When we compare what was there before, which was a waste ground and it was a lot of rats, and I was, uh, we need to have something. Um, we we weren't we didn't object to to any uh, development, um, but what's happened subsequently? It's really gone downhill. And what's it like seeing that from your house every day? Um, to be honest, I, I tend to have blinkers on and I, I still look out the window, I can still see the sea, but I tend not to turn my head to the right a little too much. And does the vandalism that's going on there bother you? Um, it does in the fact that it, 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 it doesn't do well for the area and it, it attracts kids in because it's a space where they can go out of the, out of the weather uh, and, and mix together, which is, is something they're short of around here. So the vandalism itself, yes, I don't, I'm not keen on, but I do think... We do need something else for the kids to keep them keep them occupied. What's your main issue with the site as it is? Is it the fly tipping or? Um, I think one of my main issues is where do we go? Um, how long are we going to sit with that? But in the time that it's been semi derelict, um, there has been a quite a substantial amount of fly tipping, and I don't know whether that might have been toxic materials or asbestos or whatever. And um, until somebody actually tells me that no, it is, it is safe, then I won't be particularly happy. And what would you like to see done with the site? Um, well, I'd like, uh, one half of it was going to be a, a, a park, um, a, a, a seaside park as it was for kids uh, and for people to, to enjoy. Um, if they're not going to do anything with the houses, I'd quite happily see the whole lot raised to the ground and then the whole area turned into a park. Um, Go back to some parking for people for when they come to the beach. St Mary's Bay has really suffered since we lost the car parking here. The company behind the project fell into insolvency earlier this year. Also making news today, the Supreme Court will begin three days of hearings later over the government's Rwanda deportation policy. The Home Office is appealing after being told the plan to send some asylum seekers to the African country is unlawful. Several individual refugees will also challenge aspects of the ruling. Kent Online News. This is one of our most read stories at Kent Online today. Bosses in Maidstone have scrapped the fee for a replacement waste bin after a number of complaints from residents. The £25 fee was brought in by council in an attempt to save £100,000 from the waste collection budget every year. They now say bins reported as damaged by collectors will be replaced for free. It comes as one resident in Barming was told by council to drill a hole in the bottom of his bin which filled with water every time it rained because it was missing its lid. He'd previously been told a missing lid was not good enough for a replacement and he'd have to pay £25. It's been confirmed a suspicious package that led to a road being closed in Margate was a false alarm. Police were called to Marine Drive yesterday evening and cordoned off an area for investigation. It reopened about four hours later. A Kent mum whose young son took his own life has finished a 265-mile walk to raise awareness of hidden mental health issues. 17-year-old Maxie Timberlake from 
Sandwich died in January. His mum, Michelle, teamed up with two other parents to walk from Cheshire to Kent and completed the challenge yesterday. They've raised nearly £30,000 for charity. Now, after a weekend of unseasonably hot weather, it looks like autumn is finally on the way. Work is underway to make sure the change of weather doesn't cause too many problems on Kent's rail network. Special trains are running to clear leaves from the tracks to stop it getting too slippery. Amy Turnbull is from Network Rail. So at this time of year, one of the main things that we really need to consider is slippery rails. And the reason for this um, is because of the leaves um, that typically will come down during autumn. At the moment, we're seeing, still seeing about 90% of leaves on the trees. But as the autumn progresses, we'll start to see more of those drop. And the leaves basically create a bit of a mulch when the wet weather occurs and the train wheels basically squish them together on the tracks so the problem that arises from the leaves being on the track it's, it almost is likened to black ice as you would when you drive your car so what we need to do is try and remove that or prevent that as much as possible it really does change the the way the drivers of the trains need to react with um, slower acceleration earlier braking um, just to make sure that we can run a, a reliable timetable We've probably had warnings in the past, haven't we, delays because of leaves on the line, but you guys have invested an awful lot into tech to make sure that you try and keep the the tracks as clear as possible. What are you going to have running throughout this autumn? So Network Rail, we have probably about 25 strong fleet of quite technical specialist trains known as railhead treatment trains and multi-purpose vehicles. We treat about 318,000 miles of the track across the southern region, which is Kent, Sussex, and Wessex. And that's probably about 12 times around the planet. So that's a lot of coverage and it costs about 100 million each year. And how do those trains work? How do they clear the leaves off of the line? Because as you described it, that mulch, it sounds like it can get pretty impacted onto the tracks. Yeah, absolutely. So part of the train's um, capability is to do water jetting. And this will basically blow a lot of the loose leaves and, and some of the mulch off of the contaminant surface level on the, the railhead. And then we apply a sort of gel-like substance which contains sand and steel bits, basically. And that helps to improve that friction that we need to allow the wheels to turn normally. Hopefully that will mean no delays for, for passengers. But what other challenges do you face at this time of year and when we get more into winter when it gets colder as well? Yeah, so something that we do implement in partnership with Southeastern Trains as well is that we have autumn timetables. So by doing this, we're able to provide a more reliable timetable for our customers. Um, a lot of our customers would be quite frustrated if they arrive on the day to find that their trains are delayed or even cancelled. And by putting this timetable in, it allows the, the passage of the specialist treatment trains and also it means that the drivers can change their behaviours exactly like you would on poor conditions in your car. You know, you're going to be more conscientious. So by providing that more reliable timetable, um, it offers a better service. Something else to add is that although we're looking at autumn this year, we're also looking at climate strategy going into the future. And we look at sort of the weather conditions last year when we saw these really hot heat waves during the summer which actually caused what was known as leaf drought, which will force the leaves to fall off the trees earlier. And what we're experiencing this year is that we're having a, a much more hotter weather later. So we may actually see leaf fall going much further into December. So these um, 
quite agile timetables that we're working with might go on a little bit longer. But one of the key things we are doing looking forward to the future is to implement um, any form of research or innovation. So including things such as uh, high definition artificial intelligence that can monitor the condition of the railhead, which actually makes it safer for our people, not necessarily needing to go out on the track so often to inspect and actually have a look, but utilizing drones as well to be able to fly over. Again, it makes it more safe for our, our workforce. An autumn timetable is now also running on Southeastern to make sure services are reliable. Kent Online News. As we mark Baby Loss Awareness Week, a Medway Charities produced a hard-hitting podcast in a bid to help families dealing with the loss of a child. Abigail's Footsteps was founded by Joe and David Ward after their daughter was stillborn in 2009. On the first episode, David describes the moment his daughter Abigail was stillborn and how other people reacted. We arrived in the hospital on the Monday morning. Uh, we stayed for two nights in what is now the Bluebell Room. And... Um, on day three, um, Abigail was born on the Wednesday. And again, all very surreal. Joe wanted to deliver naturally, so she did. And um, we had a, a little bit of time with Abigail, not a lot, because there was no such thing as an Abby Colcott then or, or the facility to look after her. So we literally had probably two, two and a half hours with her. And in that time, managed to get um, some of the family members up to see her. We couldn't touch her. We couldn't hold her. She was very, very fragile. We managed to get the chaplain to... Um, do a very brief um, service, a blessing for her. He couldn't baptise her because she wasn't alive, but he could give her a blessing, which is what we wanted. Although we're not deeply religious, we just felt it was only right. And literally that was it. She she was taken away to the mortuary and we were never to see her again. And, and this is what I don't think people understand. You know, Joe carried her for nine, no, nine months, 42 weeks gestation she carried her for. And she meets her for a very brief moment in time. And people think you're going to get over that. And you don't get over that. You know, even today, even with two other children, I know Joe's heart is broken. And and she really struggles with it, you know. We, bo- we both do. It's, um, you know, the, the, the room's ready, the cot's ready, the car seat's ready. Um, she's going to come home. And of course she doesn't. And people think you're going to uh, just go over it and move on, and you don't. When we first met David, I remember that some of the most powerful things you telling me was what other people had said to you when you were in that maternity suite. Does that still play on your mind now? Are you happy to share some yeah, of those it does. conversations? Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, the film, The Deafening Silence, was very much our journey. And, you know, the team that made the film did an amazing job. They really took on the whole, the whole story. And I think, you know, when you're sat in a room surrounded by photographs of newborn babies to be told your baby's passed away when you're told that don't worry you know you can get pregnant don't worry at least you know you can have another one you know all surreal things that I despair at when I hear now and a lot of the work we've done in the you know since that day was to ensure that we help midwives and and care staff with the you know what to say people struggle with what to say around death anyway and in difficult situations, we always seem to make a hash of it. We always seem to trip up ourselves up. So we're very keen to try and help express, you know, what you should and shouldn't say. And time isn't a healer. People don't want to hear that rubbish. You know, they've just lost a child. They want to know that that child was the most important thing in everybody's world. And it's, it's important for everyone to understand that. You know, we always use Abigail's name, the children. You know, we've had subsequent, subsequently Reuben and Betty... We always use Abigail's name. We always talk about her. We have photographs of her. We have a single photograph of her in a cot. Um, 
you know, we talk about her a lot. Um, not not to the detriment of the other children, but just to understand that, you know, life was as, as life was and, and life, you know, progresses on. Of course it does. But those conversations with people, and I mean, early days, some people were very supportive and very caring, but other people, they wouldn't phone, they wouldn't call, they'd cross the road because they didn't know what to say and they found it very awkward. And that was very uncomfortable for everybody. You can hear that episode in full along with the rest of the series by clicking on the story at Kent Online or heading to im-listening.co.uk. Kent Online News. A derelict former antique shop in Tunbridge Wells that's become a haven for pigeons could soon be redeveloped. The Grade 2 listed building in Mount Ephraim, known as the Wishing Well, has been empty since 2021. A planning application has now been lodged to turn it into flats and a restaurant. An historic home on Sheppey that has links to Charles Dickens has been sold for the first time in over 100 years. The Victorian author used to visit one of his friends at the Prospect Villa in Minster. It's fallen into disrepair and was put on the market for £200,000. An only Fools and Horses themed barbershop in Folkestone has been forced to close because of rising costs. Kushti Cuts has been going for 10 years but the owner says he can no longer afford to keep the premises. He'll be running the business from his home instead. Medway is getting a share of £200 million to help rebuild its heritage. Money from the National Lottery will help boost the local economy by improving tourism initiatives over the next 10 years. It's one of 20 places across the UK that that's been chosen for the funding. Now, a great-grandmother from Larkfield has shared her frustration after finding unmaintained brambles on council-owned land invading her garden and garage. Once a year for the last nine years, Julia Tompkins has had to ask council to come out to her property in Priestley Drive and trim the bushes. The 78-year-old says regularly scheduled maintenance just isn't being done. She's been talking to reporter Cara Simmons. It goes wild every year and it's not cleared properly. When the contractors come out, they don't clear it. There's nobody to oversee what they're doing and they leave all the mess there. I've even had trees growing. I think there's a tree growing there now. So obviously they used to come and do it every September and this year you haven't haven't seen it happen. No, not at all. <laughs> for, for the last few years, have you had to sort of put in this complaint? Yes, every year. Mm. How, how many times do you think you've done that? I would say the, the last nine years. Mm. Really? So as mm. <laughs> scheduled, you put in the complaint and then they would, I assume, come and do yeah, it? Yeah, they would. It takes a while for them to come out. Uh, I think it was the last year or the year before last, uh, the young lady came round to have a look thinking that she would be able to do it. And when she saw the mess, she went back. <laughs> so can you just uh, describe the brambles to me, what they're like? Spiteful. Uh, they're very spiteful with all the prickles and they're quite a thick stem on them. And where people have walked along, they've tried to kick some of them back off the path, back into the overgrowth. Is it sort of growing on the path next to your it garage? It does go across the path, but it's mainly going up the back of my garage, over the wall, into my garden, and along the guttering and the soffits, and it's getting behind the guttering as well. And obviously, um, you, you're worried that it's going to... Damage. To cause... Yeah, well, damage, yeah. It's working its way in, and obviously, um, the bracken is going to push the guttering out, and then there's going to be leaks. Mm. And, and it can go inside to the, of the garage as well. 
And uh, you also said it's going onto your onto the footpath. Yeah. Um, do you mind just going into a bit of detail on how you you know it might sort of hurt someone or cause? They could trip over, especially kiddies. If um, somebody's walking with a pushchair and a toddler, um, it's dangerous for a start because you always have them on the inside of the path. Uh, they could trip over it. Yeah, I've noticed some of the women have the toddler under the handlebars of the pushchair. Um, because they can't walk at the side. How how do you feel about the whole thing? What what's your emotions going through this every year? Yeah, sometimes I feel as though I'm banging my head against a brick wall, um, and it's it's wrong. You shouldn't have to do this. They should be on top of that. They were the ones that insisted on hedgerows. A, a wall could have been built along there, but they've insisted on the hedgerows, and they can't maintain them. Kent County Council say they are aware of the problems and have arranged for them to be added to their regularly scheduled work. Kent Online News. Resurfacing work on the A259 between Brenzett and Rye will begin this evening. The closures will take place in stages, with parts of the road being closed on weeknights between 8pm and 6am. Brenzett Roundabout will be fully closed tonight, with parts of Canberra Road being shut over the next two weeks. The work's expected to be finished on the 25th of October. A new emergency response vehicle has been donated to the Salvation Army in Kent. It'll help support emergency services and affected communities when major incidents occur. It's been donated by FedEx Express. Medway's free parking Monday scheme will come to an end today. It was put in place in February in 10 specified car parks, but council says it's no longer feasible. After today, normal parking charges will apply. A new TV documentary is going to reveal some of the secrets of a Kent fortress. The Citadel in Dover dates back to the 1700s and is gradually being redeveloped. The multi-million pound project includes a new hotel, restaurants, art galleries, a visitor centre and music studios. The documentary is expected to give us a behind-the-scenes look at the work being done. And a new fine dining restaurant and art gallery will open its doors in Raynham today. Cafe Nucleus, which has three other hubs in Rochester and Chatham, will launch its fourth venue in Raynham High Street today. The owners were spent £400,000 on the venue and recruited chefs from top London hotels. It'll be open from 9.30am to 5pm during the week and until 11 on Fridays and Saturdays. Kent Online Sports. Football now and after an unsettled week, Gillingham ended things on a high with a 2-1 win over MK Dons. The players went into the match on the back of the surprise sacking of manager Neil Harris on Thursday, but interim manager Keith Millen was pleased the team were able to move on and get into the game. First, obviously delighted to win the game. I think if Connor, when he goes through and if he scores or he slides someone else in to make the, the third goal, I think it would have been a lot calmer last five or ten minutes, but um, we didn't take that chance. Luckily, they didn't come back to haunt us. But I think it took us, if I look at the game, obviously just after it straight away, I thought it took us 20 minutes to maybe clear our heads because it's been a tough week, certainly a tough like, last couple of days. And I was conscious of a little bit of a hangover. I mean, it doesn't matter what I say in here in the dressing room, there's probably going to be a little bit of a hangover from what's happened. And I think it took us 20 minutes maybe to sort of clear our heads a little bit. And then all of a sudden, we, we've become a little bit braver on the ball, found a few more passes, um, broke lines better. And all of a sudden, we, we was opening them up and created some really good chances. So. Yeah, first 20 minutes was nervy, 
and then we had a 15 minute spell where we were a lot better, a lot better on the ball, calmer. They, they pressed as high, which we thought they would, and it was a case of us just trying to break the lines. And, and we spoke about it, we'd worked a little bit on Friday, and when we did do that, um, they, they were brave and sort of almost left themselves 1v1 at the back at times, and it was, I felt, a matter of time before we punished them. So we created a lot of chances, if you like, on the break. Um, but they're a decent side. They're, they are, they're a good squad, they're, they're a very good club. So I knew it was going to be a tough game today. So I think second half, we had moments. I still want us to look after the ball better. But I mean, after one day's training, we're not going to turn into a total football passing team, that's for sure. Um, but what I liked second half was our desire to try and keep the ball out of the net. I know they've scored from across, but people are putting their bodies on the line. We've picked up another injury, which is unfortunate. We've, we have got quite a few injuries at the moment, but the, the players that come on were, were excellent. So I'm, I'm really pleased for the players, really pleased for them because they've put a lot of work, a lot of hard work in, and, and sometimes you don't always get your just rewards, and today they did. You spoke to us on Thursday about refocusing the players' minds. How impressed were you of, of, of that strong mentality? Because it could quite easily have gone the other way. Yeah, it, it could, and I was, I didn't want to make too big a thing of it, but I was really conscious of it. And, uh, and I did feel we needed something to happen to almost kickstart us in the game. And it was, I think it was Shad, I think I can sort of picture the movie. He played it to um, Scotty, got it back, broke the lines into Jaden, and then we had some more combination play. And even then, you can see the crowd go like, "Oh, oh, that's good." Um, and all of a sudden, there was a bit more belief and confidence about the group. And and I think the the, the, um, the stadium. We've got to try and have them periods for longer. I mean, previous games where I've been involved in. We've had good spells, but we've got to try and have them good spells for longer. I think that's the secret going forward. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and Threads. You can also get the details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.